Hello then, and welcome to the Empire Rolls podcast. My name is Paul Mann, and I will be hosting the show today. Well, this is the 2018-19 season review. Finally, we can say it's all done. We can relax. We can all go on our holidays if we're a professional footballer. We're probably there already. Uh, VIP jet, all that kind of stuff going on. But I'm in uh, Reading. I've been joined by Alex Everson in Windsor. Windsor. Yeah. Okay. It's a nice, fine area of the country. It's not too bad. It's quite busy at the minute, but it's okay. Yeah. I've also been joined by Dave Stevens, who's a little bit further away in Vegas. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to see you. Yeah. It's been a while since we've had such an upbeat episode, generally at the end of a season. I mean, I've only done three of these now, but. It's a kind of, it feels nice to be thinking that we're going in with positivity into the next season. I know there's financial fair play and all that. We can come on to that a little bit later after we've done the review. But right now, let's go back to the beginning of the season. Well, we saw transfers in. We saw Yadam come in. We saw Myla come in. We saw O'Shea come in. We saw Mark McNulty come in. Sam Walker and Sam Bulldog. A truly mixed bag of signings there with hindsight, even with foresight. We could probably say that they probably not going to be all be massive hits. We did see George Evans leave as well, go to Derby County. And we got in Josh Sims from Southampton on loan and Ezra Tahali on loan as well. It's a mixed bag of signings there. What were your feelings on those signings, Dave, when we made them all? uh so funnily enough the the one that's been the most successful i didn't fully understand uh yardum um i thought why are we getting someone that just got relegated which i know is a very backwards way to think but you know i'm not a tactical genius like some um and and then conversely mcnulty i was excited about i was like yep this is the type of striker we've had in before this is going to go well didn't happen uh and yeah other than that i didn't really know why we signed o'shea love the guy i think he's done had a great career but from where he was when we signed him i didn't really understand that one um so yeah very much a mixed bag as as you've said um i i wasn't sure what to make of it and a lot of it kind of proved out to to be the case yeah, it was a surprising one. Did you think of the goalkeepers uh, we'd signed as well? Then uh, we got another goalie in, Sam Walker. That was a strange one, Alex, wasn't it? I, I still don't understand that totally. It Walker seemed like very much a uh, mate's rate deal between Clement and Gourlay and Walker from his Chelsea days, I think. Um, yeah, that was a bit, it was a bit of an odd one, Walker, I think. Um, overall, the rest of the transfers in summer, I mean, how many of them are going to be here next year? One, maybe, potentially. Yeah. Probably. Maybe, maybe two. Maybe two. Yeah. We maybe. bought, what was it, seven, eight players you named there? Yeah. I mean, I think that shows just how bad the recruitment was last summer. Was, yeah, well done, Ron Gourlay. Yeah, there was some. There was some I, I mean, even, I, I don't know if, uh, you know, Gourlay's obviously the one who was signing these transfers off, but in terms of scouting, like some of those transfers were just, just bad. Uh, yeah, awful. awful. Some of them are just not worked at all or even come close to working. No, I mean, 
David Myler came in. I think he was on a free. Yes, he was, yeah. He played five games for us. I remember seeing him in the preseason friendly against Crystal Palace. I actually thought he was going backwards at points. He was so slow. And I thought, it's preseason. Okay, we'll see how this goes. Because you never know. Crystal Palace also got a pretty decent team as well. They weren't playing against like for like, as in you win the championship. But that worried me. It, it felt like we were signing players um, for the sake of it almost as well during summer. Um, there wasn't really any kind of plan or it, the players didn't really fit the system. Like Bulldog was a panic buy because we just needed to sign a striker and we basically had gone through every other Premier League striker who was, you know, maybe going to be available. Um it doesn't seem like there was much of like a we're going to go after this kind of player. It was just a complete mishmash of styles and ages and experience and quality. And there wasn't really a there wasn't really a long term vision in mind. I don't think. No, I don't think there was at all. Um, we also had the shambles of the preseason tour which didn't seem to have any planning behind it. It seemed to kind of set up the tone. We had a really bad pre-season. I think we managed to get one draw against Fulham. We lost 4-0 in our kind of, I don't know what word you use for it, maybe showcase. Seems really bizarre to say that with our uh, home match of the Medesi Stadium against Crystal Palace. Using the word showcase in Crystal Palace does not seem appropriate. And (laughs) I'm regretting that statement already. But we move on to the first day of the season. We all go there slightly optimistic. Um, I remember that Eric Oregard, who's quite often on the podcast, said that he'd had a bet on us to be relegated before the Derby match. And i got to be honest, I felt that this was a pretty strong possibility. And I wanted to be optimistic. But coming away from that Derby match, even though we lost 2-1, I did actually feel optimistic. So the bet at that point didn't seem that likely. But, yeah, I don't think he was that far off, really. How did you feel after the Derby match, uh, Alex? Uh, The Derby match was promising. But I think the more you watch of this season, or the more you watched of this season, especially of Derby, the less promising that result actually looked. Um, I know Derby have finished in the playoffs now overall, but in reality, their games, a lot of their games, they've been fortunate. They've scored really bizarre goals in some of their games. And they've kind of been dragged through the season by like maybe two star players. Um, It it almost feels like perhaps that game was a, it felt like a not glorified pre-season game, but it, it didn't feel like Derby were really, quite at it still at that point. Um, um, Summer. Yeah, no, it's... um, uh, I've got to say, I think that the problem was it's such a massive month with uh, looking back for Paul Clement and we had to get off to a quick start and we just did not do that in the whole of August. It was particularly poor, wasn't it? I mean, I can't think of any point in August when I thought, yeah, this is really that different apart from the Derby match. We then went to Nottingham Forest and that was a little bit better. 
Then Birmingham City, we beat their reserve team in the League Cup. Then we managed to lose at home to Bolton Wanderers 1-0. I mean, that is a truly grim result. What were you thinking uh, after that match, Dave? That was just horrendous, wasn't it? So you could basically, you could tell Bolton were going to struggle even then this season. We're like, if you can't pick up points against that side, nothing's happening this season. And uh, huge, huge warning signs Like you. I do not want to fall into the teams like <laughs> uh, <laughs> trap of saying, oh, you should be. But it's not about Bolton as a club. It's Bolton this season. You could tell there were problems there. And the fact that we couldn't even deal with that. Um, yeah, that was the beginning of a, a long period of dread um, for me. Yeah, so and only the next game after that was the Blackburn match, the Paul McShane match when he gives away the two penalties, which was just dreadful. Aston Villa, uh, we then had that was a slightly, I felt uh, kind of the last minute penalty from Sam Baldock. I felt something was changing there. Then we went out of the League Cup as well at the end of that uh, month, but also we had the transfer window. And we had Liam Moore confirming that he was going to sign uh, a new contract. So he was staying. That was a huge moment, I think, for the season. Because I think if Liam Moore had been allowed to leave to go to Brighton, um, I, I don't know how the season would have panned out, obviously. But I I feel slightly negative <laughs> that it would not have been a good outcome for the would club. Would anybody really have wanted Ron Gourlay and Paul Clement to have another £10 million to spend? <laughs> no, you're right, Alex, totally. Yeah, it would have Fair been disastrous. They would have just wasted it again. Yeah, yeah, totally. It would just been absolutely horrible. We would have seen no good signings of any kind, would we? I mean, yeah, just that is just horrible. He, he wouldn't have been replaced. I mean, it, he's the type of player that would be very tough to replace anyway, but those guys in charge with that much money to fritter away? No. No, no, no. Then in the next match, and going into September, we've obviously had the 2-1 defeat when Liam Moore scores his goal. It's his only goal of the season. Then we have the glory of our away win against Preston. An away win, the first time since, I don't know, 15 years ago. Such a ridiculous <laughs> long time. And Bakuna scoring the late winner, Elori scoring, and uh, Sims, I think, scored that day. It's, uh, yeah. That was an enjoyable early one, but the first win after six matches, that is that is not a good start to a season. Um, then we lose to Norwich City. Another one, John Daddy Bodvarsin equalises against uh, Norwich, and then we collapse. I think it was after 15 seconds, Alex. I think the, the Sheffield Wednesday game at home before that, we collapsed straight after half-time as well. Yes, we did. 12 yeah. seconds after half time or something and it was going through the pattern of doing it was, that, that it point. was three or four three or four games in a row yeah yeah became a thing like your halftime team talk against reading was go hard right after the kickoff for the second half for the first 20 seconds until we yeah, yeah. <laughs> one <laughs> no. minute of intensity is all you need guys and then <laughs> you don't need any more than that but I just i just find it so frustrating the norwich one like you just said that we just we just weren't learning at all from our mistakes. And Clement was making strange decisions with team lineups, selections, substitutions. It was, yeah, it was becoming very, very worrying because it ended last season as well on a pretty poor footing as well. 
But thankfully, we got a win against Hull City. They turned up. And I think Hull City, we got a 3-0 win that day. I think they put in possibly the worst performance of, that I've seen from an opposition team at the Medeski seeding. Bulldog, Bodvarsson and Yadam scoring his goal. Any false dawns after this day at all? Any kind of thinking that maybe we might be moving forward? Yeah, um, I, am an, I am an idiot. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I tweeted after this one, something's changed today or something of that nature. Like I was like yeah. so positive. I was like, this is it. We're going to kick on from here. I am a fool. Yeah, yeah well, um, we all felt that. I was God. kind of on the other side. And I, to me, it just looked like Hull were abysmal. It, they were dreadful that day. And I don't... And, we were okay, but Hull were truly awful. Um, and I think I think the the other problem with it was, uh, even though we'd won, no one was really that convinced because it, that was our first home win. And it yes. was what yeah. was it? It was almost it was the end of September almost by that point, and we'd won twenty second of September. Yeah, yeah, once at home, and. Uh, None of our other games, we'd really looked like winning at home. No, not none of them at all. Definitely not. I mean, Sheffield Wednesday match is the one before that. The Norwich match, uh, actually, until um, uh, Norwich actually uh, got the second goal, until that point when we equalised just before, we looked actually pretty good in the second half. But as overall, after we um, conceded the second goal, no, I agree totally. We weren't convincing in any way or form. Thankfully... That came a little bit later in the season, slightly. So that was good under a different manager. But I won't, you know, put no spoilers here. <laughs> also, Brentford, we had in September as well, picked up a point there. Yet again, giving away a really late goal from a set piece. Set pieces, Alex. I feel like that Brentford game was a really, really big game for Clement, looking back at it now. Um, if Reading had held on, in that last minute and actually managed to win, you know, two games in a row and get that. Cause we didn't, we didn't ever, we didn't win two games in a row until what was it? March. Yeah. Something like that. And we, it would, it had been 18 months or something since Reading had won two games in a row. I think if Clement had managed to do it at Brentford, then maybe, I don't know, maybe there was some, there was some version of this season, which goes slightly differently where we've still got Clement in charge and we're in the same kind of position we are now. Yeah. Well, no, I agree. 20 points. Well, no, 20 points. No, we finished in 20th position. We're in 20th position at the end of September with seven points. I mean, that is, uh, yeah, it's just not great at all. Going on into October, we had uh, QPR loss at home, another shambles of performance. But the West Brom match away, the 4-1 defeat, what was the reaction there? On the 6th of October, which uh, was my birthday, which is absolutely meaningless. But yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, what that was the reaction in the crowd there to Gron Gourlay? That was the first game when there was a real a real turn of the crowd from the Reading crowd. Um, and there was a lot of... Uh, I, there was a lot of... Uh, yeah, Gourlay out getting sacked in the morning. Yeah, there was a lot of Gourlay, and like anti Gourlay. Uh, reaction from the crowd, especially in the last 10, 15 minutes of that game. Um, there's not been many, uh, I mean, I've been following Reading for the best part of 20 years, and there's not many games when I've seen Reading fans turn on a manager or a, uh, a member of the board like that, particularly. 
Um, the only other one which I've like seen in person particularly was uh, the, the Brendan Rodgers game at QPR where we lost, I think it was 4-1 um, away from home. And that this was this was similar. There was there was real hatred towards Gourlay by that point at the end of that game. Yeah, well, yeah, well, thankfully, yeah, we will see the end of that chapter very soon coming up. Yeah, um, actually, uh, that that game st- uh, had another pattern of this season of us scoring a wonder goal that just gets completely forgotten because of the result. Like, Bakuna's goal in that game was sensational, but we had it away at Hull as well. Just a great strike, and then you yes. forget it because you end yeah. up with a heavy loss. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, that was those two of the best goals of the season. Um, yeah, definitely. We've had some good ones, but those ones were right there, particularly the one at Baker. But, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I could lose track here. Talk about good goals. <laughs> but, um, uh, then we um, had a win against Millwall, at home, uh, 3-1, which I thought Jacola put in a fantastic save there. I mean, I know he's taken some stick-up points, but I thought he actually improved this season, and in all probability, he he will be moving on. I can't see us offering him a new contract. Even Gomez said that um, situation depends on Martinez, but I can't see that happening. But in this game, he made a brilliant save when I think it was uh, still nil-nil, or maybe we were winning 1-0, and just... Totally changed it. Mateo getting two goals in that game as well. Bulldog with a penalty of 45 minutes. It's a... Bulldog, his season hasn't really worked for him at all for multiple reasons. He's had injuries and all these issues. But, yeah, that was maybe his best moment, possibly, for the season. That Scoring that penalty on half-time to put us 2-1 up. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, it's between that penalty and the one against Villa away that we talked about earlier. Um, that's about not all we'll remember season. of Bordeaux. <laughs> it's not much yeah. else, is there? I'm trying uh, to... Yeah, the no. Technically, that's four points he's given it. I don't know. Yeah. We stayed up by seven, so I guess we can't be picky. But uh, yeah, I think... So Millwall, the, the two things about that game was um, Mate's, like overhead kick or semi-overhead yes. kick yeah and then yeah as you say uh, that was the start or first or second game where Yakola just suddenly started being really good um and I his, think he, that was his he, debut is that the one that he came in for I think that sounds yes. right yeah because Manono was against West Brom yeah so yeah positives there because you know for all I don't think he's the future I'm, I'm not that bothered that he's leaving um he did have those like five, six games um, where he put in pretty good performance. Even when we lost, it would have been by more without him. Um, he's still one of the stats leaders for us. I think he's up there close to Martinez until recent games. He's a shot, isn't he? Saved, yes. Yukola, to be honest, reminds me of a poor man's Ali Al-Habsi. Yeah, he has got an Ali Al-Habsi. said that before on the podcast this season, that he has got a little bit of Ali Al-Habsi in him. And he also can't really kick much like Al-Habsi. Yeah, he's a great short stopper, but he can't command his area and he can't really distribute the ball very well. The command of the area... The command of the area has driven me mad all season. Like We had three senior goalkeepers, which made no sense anyway with Walker signing. Um, And yet, all of them didn't come and claim across. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Just like shot, stop, shot, stop, and pinball until eventually, like the sixth shot went in. It's like it drove me mad. That's one of the main reasons Martinez stood out from game one because he would come and take command. Yeah, no, absolutely, he's been brilliant. Um, we ended this uh, October with um, a defeat at Birmingham City. 
which I know it was a game when Liam Keller gives away the ball for a corner uh-huh. completely needlessly. And it's just oh, so frustratingly to lead to the uh, goal for Birmingham City to give them the lead. Um, that's another game when Mate scored a late goal. Uh, Swansea City, uh, we lost as well. To finish off October, that was that was a bit of a strange game, that because we didn't play that badly in the second half, but we gave it away in the first half. Yadon gives away a penalty when he doesn't really need to. Um, but we had chances. Mate should have scored probably at least a couple of goals there, or at least got them on target. We didn't even hit the target with them, but frustrating uh, as one again. So we ended October in 22nd. We got three points from five matches. Um, you can dress up that stat however you want. It's not pretty, is it? That is not a team that you're looking at that's going to think is going to be finishing outside the relegation zone. And we were 22nd at that point. So we go into November, which I think is the biggest month that Reading have had for many a year. Um, Not on the pitch, but off the pitch. Um, On the pitch, we start off with a 3-2 win against Bristol City. Bakuna scoring the winner. We also get a two-all draw against Ipswich Town, which saw some of the worst defending I think I've ever seen at Reading. Um, do you want to talk about that defending in that game, Ipswich, Dave? Because that was just... Uh, it, oh. it was, if I remember, it was like within the first 10, 12 minutes, it was, we were 2-1 down. And Freddie Sears scored, who I forgot was still playing. Like, I, I don't know what was going on. Like, I, I watched on the video for that one, and it was like... It wasn't even a training game where you're messing around. Like it's like they hadn't worked out the game had started. It was insanity. Yeah, I that game really pissed me off. Actually, I'll be honest. Like, and that was another one. Ipswich already looked like they were in trouble as well, and we were we looked like amateurs compared to them. It was so strange. Yeah, Ipswich looks looked way better than us in that match in the first mm-hmm. fifteen twenty minutes. I mean, I remember the goal that they scored. Their goalie got an assist. Yeah. <laughs> Like the, our defense was looking around at each other, like I thought you were going to get it. I thought Lamar was it. running around in a circle. I think That's right. The second one, he just didn't seem to know where anyone was or anything. I don't know what was happening there, but um, thankfully, Mate scored a late equalizer. Um, but it was a yeah. It's just full of kind of oh, almost we might be getting better. What are you thinking at this point, Alex? Um. The game, well, the game after was that Wigan game, nil-nil, and Wigan battered us. And this was when Wigan were still in the top, what, maybe top, just outside the top half. Yes, yeah, I think so. And we went up there, ex- not expecting to lose, but that was it was going to be a struggle. Um, and we we drew nil-nil. And I I do remember thinking that we were then because by that point we were then unbeaten in three games as well, which was. It must have been one of the only times we'd uh, managed it by that point this that season, and um, it, it did feel at that point as if, well, I mean, it felt as if Clement was turning things round somehow. We, it wasn't that we were becoming harder to beat, but the results were kind of getting there slowly. Um, he had got us consecutive home wins because he got us the one against Millwall and the one against Bristol City. Yeah. So we went three home matches unbeaten, which, yeah, OK, that's nothing to be getting really massively excited about. But in the but situation when you're, when you're that we were in... 22nd or 21st, yeah. 
you're going to take what you can get, I think. And mm. it, I, it was improving. Um, it was, it just wasn't improving enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. It was um, not really great at all. I mean, the biggest thing of the month of um, November for me was completely off the pitch. It's got to be Ron Gourlay leaving the club on the 19th of November. For me, that is the biggest moment in a long, long time for Reading because just you have to look at what's happened since. The whole mood of the club has changed. Uh, things have come out. Comments have come out from players from Nigel Howe, who then immediately took over as kind of temporary uh, CEO, but then shortly afterwards became a permanent one, which I think we're all happy to see as someone who knows the club inside out. He's seen the good, he's seen the bad. He's not under, under any false pretenses, I feel, of what the situation is. Why Why do you both think that Gourlay failed so badly at Reading? Because, uh, because there's a lot of made of, like, that he's, he didn't do a good job and, and that he... You know, he's given out a lot of contracts and, and things, but there's there's obviously the well, there must have been a reason for him to do these kind of things. I think the major reason he uh, failed at Reading wasn't because he'd been at big clubs before he'd been at Chelsea and Manchester United. It was because of his complete inability to do his job. Um, <laughs> if you just listen to the Liam Moore podcast, the way that he dealt with his transfer gives you a little bit of an insight into how poorly he managed the situation as a CEO. You can't yeah, be looking I... around your players when they've got a transfer possibility, when he's your captain of the team, essentially. Also, mm-hmm. as a person, his man management of people around Reading Football Club, which has come out from comments from Charles Watts and from numerous people. We've heard Mick Gooding talking about this. We've heard Nigel Howe talking about this, how the whole mood inside the club, forget all the players, just the day-to-day staff. He he didn't treat them, reportedly, I'm going to say allegedly, <laughs> that he did not treat them very well at all. Yeah, he strikes me, strikes me as somebody that, He's the classic um, businessman. He wants to come in. He treats the club as a business and uh, people are secondary to that. And you see that in a lot of companies outside of football as well, where somebody comes in and it uh, lets lay off this number of staff because that makes sense on the books. But then you you end up, everybody feels like you have no connection to the, the company. I feel like this similar thing happened here. He thought he could come in make some changes, um, probably didn't feel a lot of oversight with the owners being overseas as well. Um, I, I think, yeah, he he failed to realise that a club the size of Reading, it's very much the soul of the club that matters more than anything else, and he didn't have any connection to that. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence, as you say, Dave, that now people like Nigel Howe are saying that we're now getting back the kind of in the community Reading and kind of getting those links back. Why do you think he failed, Alex? Um, it's a number of reasons, I think, but, um, I think he tried to take on way more than he could probably handle in all honesty, as Dave said, he's a, he, he's a classic businessman CEO. He's not, a, he, he might've been at Chelsea and Man United, but they are businesses at the end of the day that yes, they're football clubs, but they're, you know, hundreds of million of hundreds of millions of pound business businesses 
Reading isn't. And um, there was a there was a discussion last night after the Man City game uh, on Monday Night Football with Gary Neville about the. The, the teams at the top of the Premier League have one person looking after football at the club and one person looking after business. And it feels like Gordo tried to take on both of those roles. And in reality, I don't think it works. You, you need someone who... You either need someone who's going to be exceptional at their job to, to cover both of those roles, or you probably need to have one person running each side of the business. Yeah, no, no, I totally agree. I mean, I'm, you know, thankfully we've moved on from that and we even seem to move on quickly. I don't think the damage that he's done is going to be remedied quickly. I think there's some issues that are going to take a lot longer to solve. I think a good two years, probably. Um, yeah, issues... look at the contracts that have been handed out. There's... Yeah, I mean, it's not just that. It's, it's going to be two, three years minimum, isn't it? And different situations within the club on a day-to-day basis. Not not just the yeah the contracts as well. Some of the contracts he gave out were absolute madness. I mean, we could go through them all, but that could be a separate podcast on its own, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. If you did there's, that, there's some folks that left as well during that time that you wonder whether it like, hasn't been said that it was related. But we lost um, uh, Lee Heron, right? He he went and um, Stephen Reed left. That could have been just a better opportunity. That's fine. But you start when you when you hear about how Gourlay was, you start applying it retroactively and he'd like yeah did we lose people because of him that maybe that's a knock-on effect as well because these are great people a, a lot a lot of the contracts handed out i think were a massive overreaction as well to the fact that danny williams left mm. yeah. Um, right the, yeah it felt like he was going to leave anyway if we didn't get promoted yeah um but it felt like a lot of those contracts because they were handed out in the what six months following the playoff final most of them a lot of them felt like they were overreactions to that so that we didn't then lose players on a free going forwards yeah so Which, yeah you know in reality now you think well some of these players you would happily give them away but <laughs> it's uh i think it's a you're kind of a prisoner that he they're a prisoner at the moment at that point and they're 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 reacting rather than being proactive yeah, so we ended um, uh, November with a last-minute penalty miss by Mark McNulty at Leeds. That felt like a sickening blow at that moment. Um, but we then go into December and we get a 2-2 draw with Stoke City. Mo Barra scoring a late, late, late equaliser, maybe the 96th minute or so. This actually ended up being Paul Clement's last match as he was sacked uh, on the 7th of December. At that point when he got sacked, I was surprised. I wasn't surprised that he'd been sacked. I was surprised at the timing. He clearly had to go because we were going absolutely nowhere. But it felt a little bit strange because the form had slightly improved, but... I can't say I regretted the decision. I still think it was the right one, and it clearly it was. What was your feelings at that point, Dave? Uh, it definitely felt like the right decision. Uh, felt like it had been coming. I agreed that it, the timing was a bit odd, because it's like the day before we had a game against Sheffield United as well, so it's like, wouldn't we wait until after the weekend? But still, um, like you say, there was no time when I was particularly disappointed. Um, I was a little concerned that after he went, 
it became clear that they hadn't worked out who was next. Maybe they thought they had and then it fell through or I, I don't know. But um, it's always a little bit concerning when you sack somebody and then you don't have a replacement lined up. No, it isn't. So then we saw Scott Marshall come in. I mean, did you think this was going to last, uh, Alex, that we were going to keep Scott Marshall or we were going to get someone else in? No, the, the three games that Scott Marshall managed, we didn't look great, in all honesty. Um, the, the the Sheffield United loss was, I don't remember as actually really creating many chances against Sheffield United at all. Don't uh, one. The, the Rotherham away game was absolutely huge as well. Um, it, to to drop points in that game when we were one 0 up after I, I think it was it was very early on that Sam Baldock scored, uh, maybe first ten minutes or something like that. Yeah. Um, and Rotherham did, they didn't create much against us, but we just threw them away at the end of the game again, um, and it was like another late goal. And after that, it kind of felt like it was inevitable that whatever Marshall did, he wasn't going to end up as first-team coach. No. Because there were so many names going around by that point who Reading were interested in that it just felt like he was basically keeping the seat warm. Yeah, totally. I mean, you got to say in the Rotherham match, at least we didn't lose them. That was the only plus. But yeah, but losing a game goal that late was oh, just a nightmare we, wasn't it but also Tom like, McIntyre fractured yeah that was McIntyre's debut yeah. we we defended yeah. relatively well in that match in all honesty um and it was it but it was another away game where we've we've been ahead going into the last minute and we've, we've just thrown it away there's so many examples of that this season um and I know a lot of people looked at our away form like throughout the whole season and said it was bad but it, there was we weren't that far away from being a very mid-table side away from home. Yeah, most probably not. No, if you look at it from January, definitely not. Um, we then move on to the Middlesbrough match at home, where we managed to lose to a fairly late goal from a friend, 77th minute uh, goal. But really that day was all about the appointment of Jose Gomez, which happened just seemed minutes after the defeat had happened. Uh, the Redden official site Twitter was, oh, yes, we've lost, we've lost. Oh, look, what else we've got here? We've also got a new manager. Hello, welcome him. This is good news. Um, we all had to Wikipedia this man, didn't we? Not, We didn't really know much about him. Even we? the players did. We did yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> if the players admit that they had to look up on Wikipedia, I don't think we should feel bad about that at all. Um, I'd never heard of him before we um, were linked with him at all. You had to look him up, didn't you, Dave? Come on. Yeah, um, I've, I've actually, I'm a big, big Rio Ave fan. I've been following yeah. him for years. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I had no idea. Um, I I did look him up. Uh, what I will say is I I wasn't excited and I wasn't disappointed. Um, my one saving grace was at least we didn't do uh, Kerbishly or parkinson or yeah. so like at least we we're trying something different i was like well at least we've rolled the dice you know um but no i had no idea who it was and had no expectations yeah you're right bringing up phil parkinson there was a real push for parkinson to come um as i said at the time uh, i wouldn't want him to come back i really think he's a red and legend uh totally 
but um, I don't rate him as a manager in the championship. It's been proven this season. Yeah, again, he's got relegated. Obviously, Bolton got massive problems off the pitch, so it's not totally his fault. But I wouldn't want him to come back. I'm glad he didn't. We've got Jose Gomez. He's done bloody brilliantly. When he came in, Alex, were you feeling that this is the man who eventually, at the end of the season, they can have banners with his faces on it and they're going to be singing his name? The South Stand's going to be bouncing. Did you really feel that was going to be happening? No. <laughs> no, <laughs> nor did I. <laughs> but at the same time, I wasn't. I don't I don't feel like I was completely doom and gloom about the, the situation at that point. Um I think we were what we were just inside the relegation zone after the Middlesbrough game. Yes. Um but even then it was like we we played so badly up until that point that's this season and yet we were only just in the relegation zone. It like and then at that point it kind of felt like the Reading didn't need to do a lot, really, to stay up, if that makes sense. It, it didn't feel like we needed to be much better than we already were. No, I know. I, I totally agree. Um, but December was not exactly a great month for us. We then went on to get a loss at Millwall in Gomez's first ever match in the, the championship. What a lovely welcome that was to the Den. Um, finished with nine men. It was... Uh, Welcome to Reading Football Club. Jacola doing some of the worst passing the goalkeeper. He clearly did not fit into that style of football straight away. He was exposed because we can switch so quickly. It was, uh, I did feel a little bit sorry for him, to be honest about it. I mean, it was kind of, he was just really exposed. It's, it's not his strength at all. Um, yeah, your I thoughts on I, the first game? I think after that game, you could tell that the Kuna was done at Reading as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you could tell he just did not give he did not give who cares about the club whatsoever uh, I think he got sent off very late on for his stamp yeah. but uh, it was was it the next day it was like two days later I think we had another away game mm-hmm. and uh, he was he was straight up straight up posting the fact that he was out for drinks during the game and it was like you don't don't need to be doing this. Like you're clearly trying to send some kind of a message by doing this. And yeah, Bakuna, you could tell Bakuna was done after that. Um, it was probably just it was good that we only well I said good, but it was at least we only lost one nil, given that we finished with nine men. We actually played okay. It was promising. Yeah, yeah, we were taking anything. Yeah, take anything at that point. Um, Blackett obviously got sent off as well much earlier in the match. But this, the behaviour from Bakuna there to get sent off there, I thought was really, really poor. I think if you do that as a person, I think even at that point, he was almost vice captain at that point as well. You just cannot be doing that. It's just really not a player. And it's no surprise that Liam Moore said after the match on this Saturday, you know, going forward in time uh, after the game, I have to remember who we were playing, Birmingham. Uh, <laughs> it's really hard to keep track now. It's um, that we lost the players in January who weren't up for the fight. And, um, yeah, I think he's one of those, Dave, don't you think, Bakuna? He was yeah. a fine, skilled player. Like, he's definitely got ability. But as a character, would you want him in a fight? I, I don't think no. I the, the mentality wasn't there. Like he, If things were going well, 
you know, play like play him in for a shot, and he'll take a shot. Um, he scored some decent goals for us um, this season, and did a bit of tackling back that we missed when he left, and then Renamoto was out injured, obviously. But yeah, like mentality wise, he didn't have any affinity to this club whatsoever. And like this was the greatest example, right? Like you're in a relegation fight, struggling all over the pitch. And with two minutes left, you get yourself sent off for a petulant stamp. Like, come on, <laughs> you, you don't give a damn about the club. Yeah, I mean, going, you're, yeah, totally right. Bringing up Rinomoto as well, his just introduction during this period was just so key for the whole season. We all know now that he went on to win player of the season. Um, just such a massive first season he had. And if we had not had him, um, well, the midfield would have been a major concern. Then we move into January, and this is when we start to make our move in the transfer market, thankfully. Um, we also had obviously had the QPR match as well, which is a nil-nil, which was slightly promising. Sadly, we start January with an absolutely horrific performance against Swansea when it took them, I think, less than a minute to score a goal against us. McBurney scores a goal. And you're thinking, this is looking rather like a Paul Clement team. I remember they sat there in the Dolan stand thinking this, and I was a little bit worried. I've seen a few good signs against QPR and against Millwall, but you're gonna need Gomez is going to need to get his win very quickly, and it didn't happen quickly. Was there any signs of real concern there for you, Dave, after the 4-1 defeat? Uh, so I was a little worried that it seemed to be a regression, right? The QPR away game, if I remember, we put in a pretty dedicated performance, like people were playing for each other. I mean, QPR weren't great, but still. And then this one, Swansea hadn't been really doing, like pulling up any trees at this point. And then it just seemed so easy for them. And players just didn't seem to be moving for each other, like didn't seem as committed. Uh, so I got a little concerned about that. But um, it was more about the playing staff than the manager. It wasn't a concern about Gomez. Yes, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Manchester United went to put an incredible performance, lost 2-0, but I don't think there was actually felt quite positive after that. Liam Kelly played really well in that match, and we didn't really see him very much after that match at all. He got bombed out, and the major reason for that was because we signed Lewis Baker and Ovi Ajaria in the next week after that match. And I've got to say, those are two of the biggest signings we've made, especially Lewis Baker, I feel. I know Ajara gets a lot of love, and I think he's excellent as well. But if you compare just player for player, as a similarity, playing that deep playing midfielder, kind of slightly attacking sometimes, compare him to Liam Kelly, who would you rather have in your team? Uh, I'm pretty much sure most people would say Lewis uh, Baker. We then gone to beat a nine-man uh, Nottingham Forest, which was Gomez's first win, which he badly needed because it was his first one in five league matches. Swift with the goal and Robinson with an own goal in the 87th minute. So we really, it was still a bit of a struggle, but we got there in the end. So that gave, moved us slightly up in the points total. Then we went to Derby County, lost. Sonia Luco scored a goal there. He was coming into form. He played okay against Manchester United. Wasn't soon after that that he left to go to the um, the sister club of the owner in uh, China. It was uh, 
What do you think about Sonia Luko, Dave? Where's that? It's such a strange situation, isn't it, since he signed? Yeah, I think um, so. His past as a player, he's like seems a decent player. Um, I think he's very much one that you have to play to his strengths, and we definitely didn't. And I think the worst thing that happened for him was him coming in during the time he did. Like he's he's now associated with the Gourlay era. He's now associated with a team that couldn't give a damn for each other. Um, I know it, it wasn't to be for him here. I don't think he's a, as bad as we assume he is. I think when he started to come into a little bit of form just before he left, uh, there was a flash of what could be. But yeah, I think he's he's not going to miss Reading. Let's put it that way. No, no, I don't blame him at all. No. Um, then in the week up, reading up to the next match, we signed Martinez, Miazga and Nelson Oliveira and went to Bolton Wanderers. Nelson Oliveira had an absolute stormer in this match. He hadn't played for 10 months. Miazga was OK. Martinez was brilliant straight away. What did you think of it, Alex? Because you were there. Yeah, um, Martinez was fantastic. Yeah. Um, the first... I, probably first 10, 15 minutes, every time he touched the ball, though, was really, really worrying because it was him keeping the ball and all of the Reading fans in the away end are calling for him to get rid of it, letting Bolton players come on to him. And he, he just sidestepped a Bolton player here, knocked it to a knocked it to the left back. And mm. you could tell after 25 minutes or so that Martinez was something else in terms of like... Um, ability with the ball at his feet compared to the keepers we'd already had um the game itself we didn't actually create many big chances from memory um penalty was soft that we yes it was it was soft i mean we oliver played well in that game um you could tell he was a step up from the strikers who played up front so far this season and um he was he was happy to shoot as well, which all too often this season, it felt like we would get 20 yards from goal and then realise that there was a player standing two yards ahead of us. So didn't do anything and just tried to knock it out wide. Um, whereas Oliveira was happy to try and take a player on and have a shot. And you could see it straight away during that Bolton game. Um, to concede late on, though, that was a real sickener. That, uh, one. Yeah. that was after the Bolton game... That was probably the point where I thought we're really in a lot of trouble here. Uh, even though we we had dominated Bolton for most of probably the first seventy minutes or so, to concede and not win, it just felt like it was so deja vu of Rotherham and of Brentford and of countless other games where we managed to screw up a, a lead. Um, <laughs> And yeah, that, it was a long drive home after that. I mean, it was promising, but it was uh, very worrying at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's that, it was that pattern as well where we did it against Rotherham at home as well, not to jump ahead. But uh, we scored. We seemed to be somewhat dominant, couldn't score a second. And then for the last 10 minutes, dropped way too deep. And you just knew something was going to ping, ping in. Like they, they were just pumping it forward. One of them was eventually going to go in. Um, that, that was really frustrating about that. But other than that, yeah, Martinez in that game, I got very excited about yeah, his potential. 
yeah, he looked quality straight away. Um, just the way he came for crosses. And as we were saying earlier about Jacolo not being able to so great on crosses or Sam Walker, he just looked a different level, didn't he? He was making saves that looked tricky, just looked ridiculously easy. Mm-hmm. And that is a sign of a quality player, isn't it? Of it, you just when you're able to make things look easy when they are quite hard. I mean, not only was he making saves, he was holding on to the ball. And yeah. these are the details you weren't getting the parries for the other strikers to come on to. Yeah, he looked to step up straight away. So we finished uh, January in the 22nd, one point adrift of uh, Rotherham. We had four points from the five matches, which is not exactly starting again. But things slightly started to pick up when we went into February. Uh, we started with a nil-nil against Aston Villa. We had the Tyrone Ming stamp on Nelson Oliveira, which we have talked about a lot. So we move on from that one. We had the Sheffield Wednesday nil-nil game, which was pretty dull. Sheffield Wednesday having a lot of shots on target against us and Martinez having an absolute stormer. Uh, Reading, and we then beat uh, Blackburn with a really lovely goal from Nelson Oliveira late on. Now, this was not so long after he obviously had the stamp, but him to score a goal like that, yet another pivotal moment in the uh, season for me. Alex, what was it like when we scored that goal? Yeah, that was a... Brilliant goal, um, and it was it was made all the better for the fact that obviously Blackburn had just scored as well, mm. um, and it again it felt like we've thrown away another lead. Can't just hang, couldn't hang on to a lead. So to actually go back up the other end and score a winner, all of a sudden it, the the hope was there. I think. Yeah, momentum changed, wasn't it? Yeah. It felt like, actually, it doesn't always have to be bad. We can actually change this, the whole mood. And you could yeah. feel that in the stadium when it happened. There was obviously tension afterwards because there's a little bit of time to go. But the relief afterwards, the exact reasons you gave, it, you could feel it walking out of there. I was thinking, this feels a little bit different. And I, I think that was after, that, like you said uh, previously, that was after the Villa game and the Sheffield Wednesday game. Mm. Um and all of a sudden, it felt that because that was the first um, like home game that we'd won in that little run, it, it felt like people had started to believe that we were becoming a much tougher team to beat. Yeah. 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 It was that first sign of character, right? That We talk about it now looking back. Uh, the Lonies that came in and showed that character and they wanted to fight for each other and they were up for the fight. This is the first game that I felt that. Um, we, we had the setback. We went down... Uh, we were up and then we got pegged back and then we went and made sure of the points. That Yeah, big, big chain, uh, turnaround for the club. Yeah. Uh, sadly, we then went to Sheffield United and got an absolute spanking for Dill. Um, but if there, was... if there was ever a game which had been written off before before kickoff, it was that one. Yep. No, totally. Liam Kelly had a really abysmal game and got substituted off really early in the match. I think every every, every Reading fan in existence went to the next three games instead of the Sheffield United game in terms of looking forwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, that was, uh, that was possibly a turning point for um, uh, Liam Kelly's uh, career, I think. If you're getting substituted after the 19th minute, that's not great. You know, th- that wasn't just injury, I feel. That was a tactical thing, wasn't it? And that's really not good enough at all. Um, but then went to Rotherham. No, we played against Rotherham and it was 1-0. We let in another late equaliser there from a Jay. And that man, a Jay for Rotherham United, 
he was the bane of my life for about a month after that. He seemed to be scoring every single week. And he was becoming quite irritating. Um, but we still had chances to win that match. And there's a golden chance for Barrow to hit the pass just two yards harder, at, right at the end to Nelson Oliveira. And he would have scored the goal. But it doesn't matter now, Paul. You need to let it go. <laughs> but it kind of still frustrates me slightly. So then we move into March. And we start March with a, well, two huge matches and two big, big wins that kind of define the whole season, really. Ipswich Town away. Alex, you were at that match. And Dave, were you at it as well? Yep. Alex actually got me the tickets for that one. So ah, nice. cool. So, <laughs> what was he like then in the away end then uh, when that went in then? A lot of fun. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, there's not many games in recent memory where Reading have gone on and won a massive game like that in the last minute away from home. Um, and you could you could really sense like how big it was leaving the ground. There was so much like just outpouring of emotion from Reading fans, and um, and, and we ha- we still hung on to that. Barrow scored, and and Ipswich could have scored again. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, totally. They had two golden shot opportunities to score, didn't they? Headers, and you just think out. Yeah, just Ipswich are just a bit crap, aren't they? But thankfully, it was a massive turnaround though. That one, like that, that felt so good. Like the the whole you see it on Twitter, like the the limbs thing. I've never understood that until that day. Like that was brilliant. Like uh, lost my voice. Everything. It was it was quality day. Yeah. It's what we needed as a club. We needed that win against the team around us because before yeah. that, there hadn't been anyone around us. And it doesn't matter if they're rubbish. We still had to go there and do it. And to get it in the last minute, actually with a really good finish as well for Mo Barrow. And he was on a little run then. And he also went on to do a similar thing against Wigan in the next week in the 3-2 win. And that kind of Mo Barrow goal got forgotten, which he spanks in from about 20 yards out or 25 yards. But then Mate grabs all the glory with a goal in the 97th minute, which Wigan had created themselves by wasting time throughout the whole of the match. The anger of the manager, Wigan, afterwards for about her equalising goal because of the drop ball was still magical. Just mm-hmm. absolutely raging. When it was his own player who made the problem, <laughs> we didn't force it. It was a. No, it didn't, didn't tackle him or anything. He just didn't no. do anything with it. And then. And he just passed it back to one of our midfielders. I can't remember, which might have been Baker. Yeah. And. Well, that's, that's your fault, isn't it? It's not our fault. How good was that, Alex? Yeah, if ever there was a game from this season to say I was there, that would, this will be the game. Yeah. Definitely. It will, this will be the game that people will talk about in, I don't know, 10 years' time when talking about this season. Um, yeah, it was on the pitch. Yeah. The, end, the ending, it felt like we got to a cup final or something. It did. Um, it, was, it was an incredible... Uh, inc- like, after the game was just ridiculous. The celebrations were just insane considering considering it was a 3-2 win against Wigan it wasn't hadn't hadn't confirmed safety hadn't got to a playoff or something hadn't got promotion but it was yeah there was a lot of uh there was a lot of happy faces after that game oh yeah I remember walking out that stadium and thinking it was it was just felt so like a Champions League win. It's totally amazing. Well, it's it the was, first it's time fun. we've gone from... Uh, so we, we'd said earlier we'd addressed like throwing away a lead 
uh, and coming back to still win it. This is the first time we've come from behind late on to then go on and win it, which, yeah, was unthinkable the rest of the season, pretty much. So, yeah. So everything was starting to come together at this point. Not only off the pitch, we had Howe back. We had the fans, better atmosphere, the ground in the whole stadium, not just the South Stand before people start listening to this and start getting a little bit upset about that. It's the whole ground, including the Dolan, the Dolan Massive, which I'm part of. And um, it was just feeling like everything was moving in the right direction. Results were still going for us a little bit at this point. So this was all good. Um, I remember talking about the uh, Wigan game and the instruments from actually Liam, and he said, we're all elated, obviously, fans after these games. And they sit in the dressing room and it's almost quietness. It's just sheer relief that they've actually managed to do it. And you just can't imagine that. As a fan, that is the total opposite to how you feel, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah. that. But if you actually do it, it must be an amazing sensation to do that. But, yeah, it is great. And um, so, thank goodness it's happened. But sadly, we then lost 3-0 at home to Leeds United. But I have to be honest, I could see that one coming. That was not a surprise at all. Stoke City, the game, the wind completely ruined away. Um, Gareth McCleary had a late chance to win, but yeah, it was a fair result, I felt. Then we beat Preston North End 2-1, which was uh, Mate, which was uh, brilliant again. It just... Uh, an early Mate goal, Barrow then scoring one to make it 2-0. A few nervous minutes at the end. But we're starting to really feel that we're not going to go down at this point. Nerves are starting to slightly disappear. It definitely isn't going to be confirmed. But are we feeling confident at this point, Dave? Uh, very quietly, but I, I've i also been burned before. So. <laughs> I was kind of I, I was not saying anything in my head or out loud that we were safe, but I was feeling better about the team. I just felt like there was yeah. a chance. Yeah. yeah, we looked like we had some players in there could make a difference. Yep. Which was the critical thing. Sadly, in the Ipswich match we were talking about earlier, Nelson Oliveira got his injury and um that put him supposedly out for the season. But being Nelson Oliveira, he can actually come back a bit quicker. He doesn't need to worry about medical or science or anything like that. He can just, you know, beat it all. Then we went to Hull City at the start of April, lost there 3-1. Totally deserved. I thought we were pretty poor that day. The, the, after that whole game, I was worried. Yeah. Uh, because the, the whole game we lost, I think Rotherham might have scored in the last minute in, in their game on yes, that day. Did. And yeah. every result which had gone for us the weekend before, all of a sudden, every result went against us. And we were back down to be, maybe being one point ahead of Rotherham, I think. Yes. Yep. And we had Norwich away the week, like the midweek after that, and it, it everybody was then saying, okay, we have to pick up points at home, and there was so much pressure on these two or three games at home mm-hmm. uh, that you thought if we don't get points there, we're really in a lot of trouble. Thankfully, Mr. Rinomoto and Mate turned <laughs> up for the Norwich City match. The Rinomoto equaliser. I mean, really, it's quite irrelevant in the season now, as in a point thing, but it just felt like a really massive goal and kind of psychological thing for the team and for the fans. I mean, i got to say, I loved that when he scored that goal. It um, felt like a win. Yeah, it yeah. did. Even it did. though we'd been winning the entire game and thrown it away, to come back and get a point felt like a win almost. Which but was not just a brilliant goals, though, didn't they? 
whichever way you look at it, I think that we didn't, we kind of, in the previous matches, I think in the Rotherham match and other matches before that, when we given away uh, late goals like Bolton, I felt Norwich was a bit different because if your central defender is going to come up and score a 25-yard goal, you can't do much about that when Godfrey scores a goal like that in the top corner. That's brilliant. That's not poor play from us, I would say. Right, and that's their momentum as well. It, it's cliche, yes. but like the top of the table. After they scored that, I wasn't surprised when they then shortly thereafter scored a, a second. Like that, that's what happens. You're you're buzzing, yeah. but yeah, Renamoto's uh, finish, like just everything about it. The fact that he was up there to do it, the fact that he called for the ball, he wanted it, and then the finish, magical stuff. Yeah, I still remember Tony Gale saying that he shanked that goal. <laughs> <laughs> Sky, uh, it's just weaker foot. Yeah, 100% agree on that, but he did not shank it. No, <laughs> no that was um, Tim Krull just didn't know what to do with that. He didn't even go the right way, did he? he? Expected it the other way, but that was uh, massive. And then we followed it up with a 2 1 win against uh, Brentford when Mate scored two quick goals. I was in the south stand, really loved it in there. <sighs> We did let in a sloppy goal, rare, very rare mistake from Martinez to give away the goal, I'd say. But we get through that one and then we start picking up another point at Bristol City away from absolutely brilliant free kick. The kind of quality we've not seen earlier in the season at all. That was a big point. Were you at that game, Alex? Uh, Bristol, no. No, you weren't there. So it was I felt good. That was a good one. That felt yeah. nice. Like uh, the so the, the free kick. I haven't seen Reading do a free kick routine for years. <laughs> like no, something that's been right worked on. And that was that was great stuff. Um, was quite disappointing the way we considered the equaliser, but still great day out and uh, yeah, great great point. So we're getting now really close to actually safety. Um, Rotherham, I've got a game against Birmingham City against home. We are playing West Brom. Thankfully, we managed to get a point against West Brom because we then managed to lose two of our best players in that match, Barrow and Mate to injuries. Uh, no, Mate and Nelson Oliveira. Nelson Oliveira come back. He was never really quite fit, though, was he, after he came back? He was kind of 60% at best. But losing two of your most uh, potent strikers would have been a bit of a nightmare there. But thankfully, we got the draw, which kind of we were six points clear or so. We were clear enough that was going to be okay with the goal difference. But we just wanted to get the job done. And we got that done, even though we lost at Middlesbrough. Thankfully, Rotherham made a mess of it as well. So we went into the final game of the season which is the Birmingham match. And we can now talk about that one now. Um, what do we think of the game uh, against Birmingham, Dave? <laughs> so in the first half, it looked like Birmingham were on holiday and we wanted to finish on a high. Yeah. And then the second half, uh, everyone was on holiday. So that was it. It was, it was a pretty uneventful nothing game, but uh, who cares? To be quite Just, honest, it didn't no. matter. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter at all. And that's exactly what I think. We had the John O'Shea moment, which was nice. Uh, we saw some younger players. I think Elise is going to be quality if we use him right in the right way next season. Um, 
I thought Loder looked stronger. That was good. Um, yeah. So one of his criticisms, and I, I agreed with, was he, he looked like he wasn't ready for senior football because of the, the getting battled off the ball. This one, he was bouncing people off of him. Um, and, he was, Loder also looked much more willing to get into the box. Yeah. Um, it, it seemed like he was playing as the striker. Yep. Yeah, a lot more freedom, it seemed. And yeah, I don't know. I guess, if anything, the, the positives... Any other day, Loder probably would have scored that one that Lee Camp somehow managed to get a hand to. Not known for being a great goalkeeper, that man. So uh, he got lucky. But uh, that and then Elise looked good. Um, I thought Barrett had a 50-50 game. Like At times, he looked unwilling to do the work needed um, and get mad at everyone else. But then he would show some really good moments. Which it would I think nice there's a feature there. for his chance as well. Yes, yeah, you'd have a really yeah, good yeah. chance, didn't you? The first half, yeah. yes, Barrett. I didn't know Teddy Howe getting on as well. That would, that yeah, Teddy Howe, you're putting a great cross, and now Teddy yeah. Howe is going to be seen as an absolutely great cross of the ball for the yeah. whole <laughs> summer, which is amazing for him, isn't it? Yep. He's now got an absolutely stunning cross because he put in one good cross, and I hope he is good, obviously. I mean, if Barrett scored from that, then uh, he would have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Howe would have been living off that for the for the summer anyway. If he'd managed yep. to uh, get Baron overhead kick, do you yeah. think it helps in getting into the team? Is uh, Dad being the CEO of the uh, whole club? What do you reckon, Alice? <laughs> That's funny. So the thing about that that I worry about is, so from what I've read from report, I can't watch the under 23s. They don't put it on the video. But from what I've seen from reports, he seems to be a genuinely very good player. Yeah, I'm and sure I think everybody is gonna think that he's just there because of his dad, which is a kind yeah. of a shame. But yeah, hopefully he can prove him wrong with with some yeah. performance. No, I'm only joking about that. I'm sure he's oh, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's not um in there because of that, but it's just a bit of an unusual situation, isn't it? You don't normally have that at all. It's a bit like when your manager's the son, the manager, the son of the manager. Yeah. But it's a it's a kind of if Barrow had scored that with an overhead kick. The whole place would have erupted, but I don't blame him for going for it. But ultimately, a good day, Portugal day, fun, went home, felt happy, felt like the beginning of the season, didn't want the season to end. And if you flip that mood back to the beginning, well, none of us really were that keen about it starting in some ways because it was so horrible under Paul Clement. If you look at the form since the January transfer window and the Gomez, we got 1.35 points per game if you were to transfer that and i know this is a hypothetical world over 46 matches you'd have 62 points that is that's that's mid-table complete safety that is that is anywhere near it. that's getting slowly towards a playoff isn't it you kind of a little bit of a different form there so if we give gomez the players he can do things he can make changes these the players seem to be incredibly happy under him there doesn't seem to be any issues, no tantrums, no kind of on-pitch displays of dissent. I noticed bringing up Barrett that he was always putting up his arms and kind of players weren't giving him the ball. And I noticed an incident in the second half that Yadam went over and said, said to him, stop doing that. And it kind of after that, it changed his character a little bit. Maybe he needs that a bit. And I also noticed that Gomez said after the match that Barrett needs to be watching his weight. And I think as a professional player, where you're his age, that shouldn't be great. You shouldn't be in that situation, really, I don't think. I mean, that's his whole life. That's his job. Is to, He's a professional sports person, but there we go. Are we optimistic for next season, Alex? 
yes and no. I know there's lots of ifs and buts. I know yeah, there's a that's financial a, that's birthday, the thing. There's so much, there's so much that could happen over summer. It's it's difficult yeah. to really give like much of a judgment yet. Um, yeah, I, I'm optimistic to an extent. Um, I can't really see this season, next season being quite as bad as this season. Um, I think perhaps we might end up with a situation after the transfer window where we see some maybe over-egged expectations. Yeah, of course. Potentially. Um, I'm hoping not, but I think we might do. Um, I'm not sure people should be expecting us to be pushing for the playoffs next season. And to be honest, I would be surprised if we finished top half. Um, I think if we were... Anywhere, anywhere between thirteenth and seventeenth next season, and comfortably clear of relegation the entire year, then I would be relatively pleased. Well, if you look at it as we are with our squad now, and all the lone players uh, left, we get—I'd say we'd get relegated if we started this team next season. But we're not going to start like that, so we can't be thinking in that mindset because I'm sure we're going to make some signings. Um, the thought of David Myler coming back into midfield is a slightly worrying uh, situation, but I don't think that's going to be the case from what's being said. It sounds like it's a really critical month of working their way through financial fair play. Um, who knows how that's going to work out, where we're going to find the funds and how we're going to kind of work around that, work our way around that. Optimism about the club then maybe rather than uh, about the season. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I think so the, the way I'd sum up this season is uh, we got the we got our club back. Yeah, another cliche, but um, behind the scenes we seem to be fixing things. Um, we did a great job of bringing through players from the academy, which will help given our financial situation. Um, we are going to see some people leave that I don't think we want to leave. Um, I pray that's not Liam Moore because I want him to be like the core of the team. Um, but maybe some like. Swift again, people don't always rate him, but I do think he's you know, there's something there in the right system, and Gomez likes him, so but maybe he'll go if we can get money. We'll we'll sell some players that maybe we don't want to leave. Um, but I am optimistic about where the club is going because to Alex's point, if we if we do get that somewhere mid table, no real threat of relegation for two seasons while we get our affairs in order. And then we build something to where then we can make sustained challenges. What I would hate to see is more of this, um, like, 11-game winning streak and get into the Premier boom League and, and then come back down. Yeah, boom and bust, exactly. I, I don't want to see that anymore. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we're going to have a comfortable but not playoffs, not promotion, no. none of that stuff. And we shouldn't. I really think we shouldn't be targeting that. Let, let Gomez build something. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. It's all well and good having that sign, which we had in the Epstein in that season. But look how it fell apart afterwards, because there was no foundations to it, as you were saying there. It's just not going to work out. I think the players are going to be leaving in the summer. I think Bob Varsin will leave. I think Bulldog will leave. I think Swift will leave. And there's going to be all the other minor players that were going to be leaving. We may lose another big one as well. I think I think we might lose Mayte as well. Possibly. Uh, yeah. uh, I was yeah I was talking about this uh, a couple of days ago whilst we were at the whilst we were at the game, and to me it seems it seems like we'll probably end up losing one 
um, one big name. Uh, so my kind of assumption was it will either be Liam Moore or it will be John Swift plus Mate. Yeah. And I mean, if it, if it comes down to that, then, uh, you know, it's uh, Liam Moore every day of the week. Yeah, no, I understand that. Stay, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like Gomez says, we've got no money to yeah. spend. Exactly. Yeah, so we need to get rid of something to bring something else in. We have to go through pain initially, as he'd say, uh, to bring the love back. This is his kind of lingo, isn't it? I'm paraphrasing here. It's, um, so thanks a lot to everyone who's been involved in the podcast this year. It's really appreciated. All of you have been putting a lot of time and effort and giving up your free time to be on. And uh, it is uh, good to have different voices on the podcast because it makes it into a proper RFC podcast, I think, not just to have the same voices all the time. Um, I probably won't be doing one for a while. This is the final one of the season, unless we make some absolutely crazy signings or something mad happens or we make a clutch of signings. Who knows? Um, I've really loved doing it. I love running the site and the podcast is uh, brilliant and uh, I will be back next season. I've got some plans lined up already and uh, we'll see how it goes. So thanks a lot for listening. If you haven't subscribed, please tell everyone, tell your grandchildren, just get them all involved, get the, get the phone for them and link them in. So <laughs> cheers and uh, thanks again. And I will see you again and we all will in uh, August. Thanks. Bye.